Well, Friendship Ministry, you have had a lot of fun and a lot of joy this year, and we are glad that you are sharing that joy with us this morning. We're continuing through the season of Lent, and one of the things we see, especially in the season of Lent, is that joy and peace for Christians comes when first we see who we are with all our goodness, all our triumphs, all our weakness and sin, and second, we see who God is. It's that balance that is often so difficult for us. We tend to ignore our own situations, to look external from ourselves, uh, but when first we join Jesus in his suffering uh, and look at the things within us that God cares about, then we see God's joy and grace and life in starker contrast. As we've been in this series, we've looked at pride, and last week we looked at slander, and this morning we're looking at stubbornness. That beautiful song that we heard that played back behind your, uh, all your beautiful pictures was called, Is There Room in Your Heart? And uh, stubbornness is about refusing to make room in your heart, refusing to make room for God, refusing to make room for others, refusing to make room for a new way that God is calling you to be. Many times in the Old Testament, God chastised or corrected his people because of their stubbornness. But what is it? You can't point at stubbornness and say, oh, look, there it is. But stubbornness is an abstract concept, and so the Old Testament always talks about stubbornness using a concrete picture. And it's always the same picture. Stubbornness in the Old Testament is having a stiff neck. Friends, I wonder if you can turn your head to the right or to the left. Can you do it? When you turn your head to the right and the left, you can see the person who is beside you. You can notice others. You can attend to them and see what's going on. When you notice God, you can obey Him. When you notice others, you can help them or be helped by them. Stubbornness means that you never look around. You don't attend to others. You don't listen to the call of God. You don't notice the harm that others are, that others are, are feeling. And you don't hear God's call to change, to repent, or to turn back, or to discern a new and better way. Our text this morning is not about stubbornness. Our text is about God's new and better way. And so I want to invite you to follow along as I read for us Matthew 22. We'll read verses 34 through 40. Maybe you've heard this story before. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Are we going to advance the slides? There we go. Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So far, the reading of God's word. Jesus response to stubbornness is simple. In the busyness of our lives, 
and the many factors that pressure us, that uh, force us to be doing all kinds of things, many of us are looking and longing for a simpler, more straightforward form of faith. We want to do what Jesus calls us to do, to embrace God and embrace others without getting bogged down in too many details. But whether we are completing our taxes or navigating the complexities of our workplace or scheduling our children's lives or trying to figure out transportation, we wonder if this isn't all, if life isn't all too difficult. We wonder if there's a better, simpler way to live. Jesus' way seems so simple. Love God, love your neighbor. Jesus' way seems so simple that we might be left wondering, why don't other people live that way? And perhaps others might be wondering, why don't you live that way? This morning in our sermon, I want to focus on three things. First, God's good model for making room for others. Second, our human tendency toward stubbornness. And then third, a practical way forward. So first, what's God's model for making room? As we go through this sermon, I'm going to rely heavily on Henry Nouwen and share a couple quotes from him. Henry was a Dutch Catholic priest, a professor, a writer, and a theologian who died a few years back. But his most powerful or famous picture of Jesus and of Christian leaders was a picture of a wounded healer. Henry explored how, through God's power, Christians can still experience wholeness and healing and share that healing and wholeness with others, even though we are wounded, even though we are broken ourselves. And I'm also quoting from Henry Nouwen because later in his life, Henry spent several decades living in a community with people with developmental disabilities. During his years living in Labrie community in France, Henry wrote, and you can see this quote on the screen behind me. He said, Jesus' whole life and mission involve accepting powerlessness and revealing in this powerlessness the limitlessness of God's love. The limitlessness of God's love. Here we see what compassion means. It's not bending toward the underprivileged from a privileged position. It's not reaching out from on high to those who are less fortunate below. It's not a gesture of sympathy or pity for those who fail to make it in the upward pull. On the contrary, compassion means going directly to those people and places where suffering is most acute and building a home there. In these words, Henry can help us begin to make sense of Jesus' summary of the greatest commandment in Matthew 22. We might think of loving God and loving others as a simple thing. I have something and you want it or need it. In this view, love is a kindness that's optional for us. Loving others, we might think, means that we have something to give them or help them with and that they have something they hope to receive or need to receive from us. But Henry says again that compassion means going directly to those people and places where suffering is most acute and building a home there. If you know the life of Henry Nouwen, then you know that he did that imperfectly. 
But if you look at the life of Jesus, you begin to understand how Jesus did this perfectly and powerfully. How Jesus came from a perfect heaven into a broken world with all kinds of hurting people, with all kinds of acute suffering. And Jesus built a home there. Jesus came into a broken world with all kinds of power imbalances, with different groups of people trying each to force their own way on others, while others suffered under the force of the powerful ones. Jesus was, and Jesus remains, the climax of God's plan to make room for humanity within the perfect relationship of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Think about at a macro level, from, the, from a very high view, God's process and plan for making room for humanity. Our world belongs to God, which is a testimony of the Christian Reformed Church, says that while justly angry, God did not turn away from a world bent on destruction, but turned to face it in love. With patience and tender care, the Lord set out on the long road to redemption, to reclaim the lost as his people and the world as his kingdom. God, who has everything good within himself, he didn't force people to conform to his plan. He didn't force them to fit. Even when they rebelled, he turned toward us, toward you, with love. Jesus, the Apostle Paul tells us, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. As the message says, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus shows us God's good plan for making room for all people. So what about us? As I said, our human tendency is toward stubbornness. When we gather in groups, whatever, the biggest group or the most powerful part of the groups tends to think we have others' need. But if we truly want to give to others, if we really want to make room for others, then Henry Nouwen can help us here again. He writes that true hospitality is welcoming the stranger on her own terms. But this kind of hospitality can only be offered by those who have found the center of their own lives in their own hearts. In other words, in themselves. They're not looking for the center or for meaning in their life in someone or from someone else. We can think about hospitality or compassion as making room for others. But in our hospitality and in our compassion, often we want to tell others what we think they need to know. We might ask others questions about what we are interested in. We might care in friendly but often shallow ways, not seeking to form deeper connections. But we see from Jesus' example that making room requires moving into the neighborhood, it requires remaining with people for a long time as we get to know them, understand them, appreciate them, and learn together. 
but often we have our own priorities. We are, quickly, we are quick to leave others. We are quick to continue on with our own lives, our own plans, our own priorities. To most of us, maybe all of us, it would be inconceivable to think about actively pushing someone away. We don't do that. We simply have stiff necks. To again look at the Old Testament picture of stubbornness, stiff necks doesn't mean we push people away. Stiff necks means we don't continue to look to our left and to our right. We don't continue to look around us. Having a stiff neck means you do not attend to others or to God for an extended time. Having a stiff neck or being stubborn means that when you you continue on your own path and you continue with your own priorities, despite the call of God, regardless of how your actions affect others. I'll give you two analogies or pictures that might help us understand. The first one you can see on the screen behind me. Imagine you're one of those people on that bus. The bus is full. The bus is moving ahead along the route. And when you reach a stop, the driver yells back, make room. But you don't do anything. You remain where you are. Maybe you're holding on to one of those handles or you're sitting in a seat with your bag or your backpack behind you. And when someone gets a little closer to you, you complain. And so the bus has to leave the stop without picking all the people up who are waiting. You haven't done anything wrong. Not in action anyway. You haven't done anything at all. But you haven't made room for others. Or maybe imagine that every person is a Lego piece. Any of you fans of Lego? Yes, definitely. Me too. If you were a Lego piece, what kind of Lego piece would you be? There's big pieces that have lots of connectors. There's little pieces that have only a few. Every Lego piece is a different shape, a different size, a different color. Some pieces have lots of room for connections. Other pieces have just one or two connections. All of us are like that. Different size, different shape, different color, different abilities. Some of us have lots of room for connections. Some of us have only a few. But if you want to make room for another piece to connect to the beautiful thing that God is building, it's not enough to simply lay a piece on top. You have to find room for it to connect to the rest of the piece or the rest of what is being built. There must be room for that new piece to hold together with the other pieces to form a bigger and better and stronger whole. Is there room for others to connect with you? Is there room in your heart to connect with God? Who are are you connecting with? Who are you not connecting with? As we close this morning, I want to think of one simple practical way forward. One thing you can do, and we can do, to make room in your heart for God and for others. To put it another way, one thing that you can do to ease the stiffness of your neck. Henry Nouwen again writes, as a self-reflecting person, 
always in search of affirmation and affection. He says, I find it impossible to love consistently without asking for something in return. I find it impossible to love consistently without asking for something in return. The first thing you can do in the context of your busy life and the priorities that you have is take time to be self-reflective. Reflecting on yourself takes you away from the worries of the world and the things that you think others need to do or the things that others think you need to do. Self-reflection allows you to see yourself more honestly, more fully, as you are, right here and now. The good things that you're proud of, that you love for others to see, and the painful things, the difficult things that you hide and hope that no one sees. There's many reasons why Friendship Sunday is one of our favorite Sundays in our church. One of the reasons is because, friends and mentors, you show us time and time again about the simple heart of what it means to to be a Christian, to love God and to love each other without condition. But another reason is that our friends who have physical and mental disabilities, you have a lot of practice. You have a lot of practice seeing yourself honestly as you are. You're well acquainted with your limits and with the end of your abilities. Our friends with physical or developmental handicaps show us powerfully how to accept who we are and where we are. How to rely on others, to accept help from others, and within whatever situation God has given us, how to live with joy. It's not weakness to acknowledge that when we love, we need something in return. It's not failure to recognize that we cannot give and give and give without receiving love in return. In fact, that acknowledgement is a requirement for us to live in community. For us to really live in community, we must be able to say that we need something in return from others. Each of us is limited. None of us has everything to offer. Self-reflection allows us to better understand ourselves, to better understand our limits and our needs, and to open ourselves to God and even to a community where God and others might graciously and joyfully meet our needs and surpass our limits, even as we love God and love them. So as we've done during this uh, time of Lent, I'm going to invite you just to adopt again a posture of prayer and to reflect on these two questions that are on the screen behind me. First, what are your needs? What are your limits? And second, how might God and how might this community serve you and help you? Before we step out in confidence, trying to love God and love others, let's come earnestly to God asking for him to show us ourselves and our situation and asking him to serve and give to us what we need. Let's come to God in prayer. Please pray with me. 
God, in the quietness of these next moments, speak your words to our hearts. God, we are and remain people that have many gifts, many talents, many strengths, and much to share with our world, with our neighbors, with our family, with our loved ones. But God, show us our needs. Show us our limits. And surround us with your people, with friends, with family. Not only our biological family, but God, your family, so that we might find your provision, your goodness, your help, and your love, that you might fill us up to overflowing, that then, Lord, we might be able to give to others and to return to you all of what you have given us. We come to you with joy this morning in our prayer, in our song, in our worship not because of who we are or what we have done, but because we have been filled with your love, with your goodness. We have been forgiven. We have been set free. And so send us out, Lord, with that freedom and send us with your Holy Spirit's power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able at this time, I would just invite you to stand. We're going to have our... Uh, Sending song in just a moment, I have decided to follow Jesus, but uh, in our tradition, we love to celebrate God's goodness, and we, our, our decision to follow after, always comes after God's goodness, his forgiveness, and his love. And so we receive his blessing as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give you his peace. And all God's people say, amen. Our worship team is going to sing us out as we finish our service together.